You're listening to Kiss Life with me, Swazi, and this week's episode marks the four-year anniversary of the Grenfell Tower fire. Locking to hear from so many special guests who are right at the centre of community to give us a feel of how things are four years on. Fire Brigade. Yeah, hello. Hi. In the fire, flat 16 Grenfell Tower. Can you quick, please? The fire brigade are on their way. Are you outside? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm outside. Yeah, just tell me how many floors you've got there. It's it's the fourth floor. Right, okay. Quick, 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 quick. Okay, so the fire engines are on the way. They will be there soon, okay? Okay. There is a major incident, Grenfell Tower, W11, 1WH at the moment. The entire emergency staircase is alight. We need people okay. here urgently. We went and waked up the children, they were asleep. Uh, my son, he wanted to put his shoes on, I said I haven't got time, just get out. We knew it was killing people. You could see the people on the top floor, the flashlights, the torches, the towels, you could hear the voices. You can look at that building, you can tell me how you feel and times that by a thousand. Do you know what I mean? It's, people, it's not just looking at the building and saying, how do I feel? It's looking at the building and knowing that I know people who died in that building. Everyone, every resident, every person who, who can call himself a part of this community of Notting Hill would have at least known one person in that building. That was the news we all woke up to four years ago tomorrow. 72 lives were lost in the Grenfell Tower fire. And many of us just could not imagine, couldn't even believe what we were listening to on the radio, what we were watching on our TV. A tower block, a huge tower block just covered in fire. And the community just rallying around and helping one another to make sense and really still make sense four years on since such a tragedy took place. And for me, I'm not even from West. I'm from Ilford, I'm from East London. Shouts goes out to Adam, shouts goes out to so many people that just rallied around and said, yeah, I've got a free space in my minibus. Swaz, you ready? Let's go. And we jumped in the minibus and we drove down to west from east. And even as we came over the flyover, Grenfell Tower was still on fire. We landed and as I walked around Latimer Christian Centre and turned the corner, there I stood at the foot of Grenfell Tower fire. Fire still in the windows, smoke you could smell, it was thick. It was awful. And here I am tonight, sitting under the same tower, but now it's covered. Now you can see the green heart. You can read Grenfell forever in our hearts. And if you're driving anywhere close to it, this is a beacon of not just hope, but real tragedy. So tonight is a Kiss Life special. We are shining the light on some of the voices and the people who are keeping things in order and in check but also things still happening four years on and for many years to come until justice is served. But I'm going to be speaking to some real key players when it comes to community to get a sense of what life is like and what the overarching feeling is four years on. And first up, I'm at the memorial. I'm going to head over and meet Karim, someone I absolutely admire for his strength and just his humility. I'm going to start from him, hear about Grenfell United, an incredible group that's come together and make my way around West to hear from other voices as well. You're listening to me, Swazi. This is a Kiss Life special of the Grenfell Tower Fire, the fourth year anniversary. Kiss Life, supported by the Audio Content Fund. It's Sunday evening, just gone 9pm. And this week, we are by Grenfell to commemorate four years on. Um, And I'm joined by someone who... 
I've always looked up to since volunteering. To my right of me is Karim. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. No, really thank it. you. Um, we are literally coming through now, turning um, the corner into the exclusion zone. Um, and right above us is Grenfell Tower. Um, we're walking alongside the Better Gym. Um, and yeah, the, the feeling on this afternoon is very calm. It's very calm, actually. So for everyone who may be familiar with the story of Grenfell, we know the story we've, we've read all through the four years. But for yourself, Karim, what is Grenfell and what does it mean to you? Um, so my uncle lived in the top, a top floor of Grenfell um, and he had done for some time. And sadly, he didn't make it out on the night and uh, lost his life. And um, it, was, it was hugely emotional for us. Of course, losing a loved one, losing a family member. But, you know, uncle wasn't just uncle. Uncle, you know, was like a father to me. I grew up without my parents and he sort of took that role of being my dad. And he was a massive part of not only my life, but my whole family's life. And losing him in the most horrific and the most public way possible was, I mean, even to this day, it's, it's hard to come to grips with it. You know, I feel like I still haven't accepted that he's lost and he's gone. And I feel like we've just been so busy with the campaigns and, and everything that we've been doing and running on sort of adrenaline and whatever that we still haven't really had time to sit back and reflect. Yeah. And I feel like we're so, we're so fueled with anger and frustration and sadness to try to use that to bring something positive out of it because we don't want my uncle and the rest of the, the families that we lost to be remembered the way they are today, which is by a culture of neglect. And that's how they're being remembered, that you know they were left, they weren't looked after, and I want to change that. We want to change that. We want something positive to come out of it because the feeling of knowing that something like this could happen again, and it's highly likely that it will, because there have been no changes in four years, in my opinion, it's unbearable. You know, we go tonight thinking, are we going to wake up to another tragedy like Grenfell? And now we know, you know, Grenfell uncovered such a crisis in this country that affects millions of people. And it's, you know, highly likely that something like this could happen again. So, mm. you know, the thought of that is unbearable. So we're trying to do what we can to, uh, to bring about some positive change. But obviously, you know, still reflecting on losing my uncle four years later, I feel like it's, it's, it's too... It's too painful to still come to terms with, you know, mm. it's too painful to even sometimes think about. So I try to submerse myself in, in the campaign and, and, and whatever it is that we need to do to bring about some positive change. Yeah. Is it hard for you to come here now, today? It is, yeah. I mean, it's hard to come here any day, really, um, and look up at the tower. But I feel like it's needed, you know, in order to, to, to remember, to reflect and to also you know, say a little prayer and, and, and remember the good times as well. You know, my uncle always wanted that. He wanted, didn't want anyone to be sad when he passed away or anything like that, but it's hard not to. Mm. But it is, it, is, it is hard coming here, whether it's on the anniversary or whether it's any day, you know, it's, it's hard because every time you come here, it just, it reignites that, that you know, these, these horrible and awful emotions. But I feel like it, it follows us everywhere we go, like a shadow, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is the second year in a pandemic to... Yeah 
remember the anniversary. So is it difficult because you can't commemorate the way you would want to? Or how do you and GU make those calls? So, I mean, it's, it's tough, really, obviously, because of the current climate, we can't have the tens of thousands of people in the community that we usually do. Yeah. And it's such a powerful sort of thing, having people from all over the country coming down and showing their support and their solidarity. So we've tried to be a little bit creative. Obviously, we don't want to encourage people to come down because, you know, it's not so not very responsible. But we want pe we want to find new creative ways for people to show their solidarity, you know. Yeah. So we're putting together a film that will go out on Monday um, and hopefully it will be a very, very powerful film. Uh, we'll have some strong messages from, from some bereaved and survivors and also talk a little bit about the campaign that we've been doing. Um, but also there will be uh, some type of community-led silent walk, so the community will, will come together in solidarity. Um, and then we'll also be doing like a, a Green for Grenfell night where we'll, I'll be asking people to illuminate their living rooms and their, and their houses in green to show their solidarity because they can't be here with us. So we're, we're trying to be creative. We're trying to find different ways to get people involved. Um, and sometimes this works better for people who can't actually physically come down. Yeah. Um, so hopefully um, it will be okay. Yeah. And talk to me about Grenfell United. Um, yeah. Who is the group? Who makes up the group? Um, and how did it come about? So Grenfell United um, is formed up uh, by only survivors and bereaved. Um, so we are the survivors who lost our homes and we are the bereaved who lost our families. And Grenfell United was formed almost immediately after the fire because we realised very quickly that we were left alone. We were left alone in our pajamas in the streets. We were left alone homeless. We were left alone to put up posters to look up for our loved ones. So we exist because of their neglect. We were created because of their, you know, just non-existence towards us. We, we formed as a humanitarian group to put our arms around each other and try to help each other out in obviously the most horrific time possible. And since then, Grenfell United has evolved. It's started with looking after the families to then starting to campaign for justice, campaign for accountability, campaign for change so that nobody goes through what we go through. So Grenfell United, it's just us. And the fact that four years later, the families and the survivors are still having to bang on the doors of the ones that are supposed to make the changes and to fight for, for any form of, of, of justice. And, you know, four years later, there isn't really any. It tells you a lot about our government and about our country and about a system. You know, people say, you know, the system that's been put in place, it's broken. I don't believe that. I believe the system was built this way was built this way to keep us where we are and to keep them where they are. So there is a real sense of divide and division even within a community that should be quite close-knit together. Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't say there is so much division within our community. And when I say our community, I'm talking about North Kensington, the community that came together immediately after the fire. I mean, without the help of this, this community, I don't know what would have happened. You know, I like to use this terminology. They're the legs to our table. If they were to break, we were to fall. So without them, you know, well, at least, you know, them putting their arms around us and showing us the love and support like they did early on, and they still continue to do, um, that really helps us uh, continue the fight that we're fighting. And I wouldn't say that element of it is divided. What I mean is when I say you have houses just a few hundred metres away that are tens of millions of pounds, and then you have Grenfell Tower that was just neglected, you know, corners were cut in terms of refurbishment. It's, it's quite obvious, and especially through what's come out through the public inquiry, it's quite obvious what we've seen in terms of systematic failure. 
You know, the people that were put in charge to look after the most vulnerable, they just did not care. Mm. Um, not only did they didn't care, they just, they abused their power. They threatened people when they spoke up. And that's not right, you know. We need, we, we, we need to live in a, in a society where when things are wrong, we need to call it out. If we're working hard, paying our taxes and voting for people to be in power and something's not right, something's not working, we should have that platform to talk about it and we should be treated with respect when we do so. And where do you learn to do that? Because the Grandfather United group and the people that I know would say we're learning on the go, we're, we're learning as we find things out. Yeah. But for yourself, how do you know to do all of this and grieve at the same time? Um, I, I don't really have an answer for that. I mean, everything... We learn along the way, you know, none of us are experts, you know, we all lived here, we all grew up here together and I guess through like obsession, you know, of determination to not let this go, not let this be brushed underneath the carpet, we will not let our loved ones die for nothing in the way that they did and we will not allow this government to continue to take advantage of its people that it's supposed to be looking after and allow something like this to happen again. So along the way we are learning, we are picking things up and, you know, we feed off each other. A lot of us bring a lot of different things to the table. Some of us are stronger in, in, some, in some elements of the campaign and some of us are stronger in this part of the campaign. And we, we acknowledge that and we use that. You know, we don't have any resources really. Everything's done by us. Yeah. Everything's written by us. Um, it's all volunteered. You know, none of us get paid to do what we do. Um, and and it's just, it just feels right, you know, because there isn't, we're, we're, I don't feel like we're able to move on until this is over. So we feel trapped almost in this emotional state where we can't really grieve because there's no closure. Right. You know, nobody's been arrested. There's no accountability. The companies that were involved are still out there making billions of pounds. And we're still here on the, on the ground, banging on the doors, trying to get them to listen to us just to make people safe. And what does over look like to you? Uh, accountability. People being held to account for what they did. And I think, I believe, the crimes are obvious. People should have been in jail already, you know? I don't understand how four years on, you know, and, and especially what's been coming out of the public inquiry and how some of these corporations and companies, especially like RBKC, behaved. Like, aren't the crimes obvious? Why is no one in jail? Why has nobody been held to account? Why are we still here talking about Grenfell? Four years later, why are millions of people across the country been put in financial ruin because of illegal materials that the government allowed to have? Yeah. And you know what? I think I kind of have an answer for that. I know why we're still in the same position four years later, and I know why there's been no justice, because of this cosy relationship that our government has with these corporations. These corporations are in the pocket of government. We're going to have some young people on the show from the community and speak to different guests and I, for one, look up to yourself and the Grenfell United team. And so Thank four you. years on to mark the anniversary of Grenfell, what would your message be and how would you like the nation to remember Grenfell? I, I would like people to see themselves in us. People keep saying Grenfell was a freak accident. It wasn't. Grenfell was inevitable. And what it has uncovered is a rotten industry you know, corruption, greed, all of that type of stuff. And I, I want people to see themselves, themselves in us. Our fight should be their fight. They might not necessarily live in unsafe homes, but their family members or their friends do, you know? And I keep saying this, it's not a matter of if another Grenfell will happen, it's when another Grenfell will happen. And until the powers that be make the changes, 
another catastrophic you know, event like this is going to take many people's lives and the blood is going to be on the government's hands. So what the, my message is, let's unite, let's stand together, see yourselves in us. Your fight is our fight and our fight is your fight. They might ignore a small group of us, but they can't ignore all of us. Do you feel heard and listened to by others who are not your immediate community? Yes and no, right? So, like I was saying earlier, Grenfell has uncovered a national crisis in this country and a lot of groups have formed all across the UK and we work very, very well and closely with them to try to um, continuously put a light on the issues, right? But I feel like the support could be a lot stronger, you know? I feel like sometimes when we talk about Grenfell, people tend to get a little bit bored because we're still talking about Grenfell. Mm -hmm. But all you need to do is just look into it a little bit. And I promise you, you will find that it affects you in some way. You know, mm. it's not just tall high rise buildings or social housing buildings. It's everything. It's hospitals, it's schools, it's cinemas, you know, where vulnerable people go, where children go. And I feel like the support could be more, should be more. And the support like it was in the beginning was amazing. It was like the whole country came together. And I feel like we need that more than ever now, yeah. you know. And I was going to say back to that point, actually, that it took three days for the authorities to make any sort of show three days after the fire. Do you feel as alone now as you did back then? I, um, I do sometimes feel like we're alone in this, you know, like I feel like sometimes banging my head against the wall because it's like we're asking for very basic human rights. But it seems that for whatever reason, um, it's a completely different language to the powers that be. You know, it's a completely different world to them. None of them have ever stepped, set foot in buildings like Grenfell. None of their kids or families or loved ones or anything like that live in these type of communities or go to these type of schools. They're so distant from the real world that we live in. And it just, it's frustrating, you know. It's, it's almost like you're speaking to a wall. But I feel like with more people, you know, standing next to us, supporting us, amplifying our voices, yeah, they have no choice, choice but to listen. they have no choice yeah. and I feel like we need to put them in that position we've done so many different things across you know along the way in four years different campaigns different creative ways of doing things and trying to make noise and it's worked very very well but I feel like you know it's only just a small group of us that are doing it mm. if we all did it together Let's back them in the corner. Yeah. Let's shine a light on these dodgy dealings and these cozy relationships that these, the government and these corporate world seems to have. Let's expose it. Let's talk about it more. This shouldn't be happening, right. you know? Why, 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 why is it because of, you know, these companies can pay their way through, through government or regulations or out of it? You know, lobbyists protect the corrupt. Mm. And lastly, what would you say is the overriding or the central feeling four years on since Grenfell happened? Uh, this year, I would say anger is the main word that comes to my mind straight away. Frustration, agitation. I just feel like four years is a very, very long time. Although for me, it still feels very, very fresh, right? But we're all angry now. We're fed up. It feels like we're being slapped across the face from all angles, from the police, from the public inquiry, from RBKC, from everybody. And it's, and it's a lot. And it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to, to conceal this anger and not know how to project it. But we try, to, we try to do that in different ways through, obviously, our campaigning. But it's getting to a point where it's becoming more and more tough to conceal this anger. You know, concealed rage is a, another way I, I would put it. But, 
you know, that rage has to come out sometime, yeah. you know. And do you think young people and the younger generation feel the same? I hope so. And I would like to think that they do, especially the young people in this community, seeing what they saw, living what, you know, losing their friends and, 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 and experiencing what they experienced. Yeah, they're angry. Of course they're angry. And we've, we've, we've tried to keep things dignified as much as we can. Yeah. But it's getting to a point now where we're not stupid. We understand what's going on. You're not going to get away with it. And we're not going to be able to control everybody. People are angry and they need an outlet until you deliver justice or we come and take it. Kiss Live. Supported by the Audio Content Fund. You're listening to Kiss Live. I'm with Sue. Sue Duggins. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. And how are you? I am very good. I have to say, on radio, your hair, Sue. <laughs> For everyone who knows Sue Duggins, immediately your life and your, your face will light up. But your hair is pink and it looks gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about four years on and, yeah, how do you feel the last four years have been? Um, I feel the last four years have been manic is a word I would use um, I never feel like we're getting anywhere with anything it's just there's always something else coming along and you never know what it's going to be so I'd say one of it's been pretty manic for four years mm. and we're sat right outside the memorial we're sitting under Grenfell Tower um, and it's pretty peaceful to be honest I mean families are coming to obviously um, it's the four-year anniversary come Monday um, and there's lots of children around and I know you work really closely with children um, and so how has it been working with children um, yeah four years since Grenfell happened well before Grenfell happened I was working in the nursery and I'd handed in my notice because I was due to travel to Thailand for six months that was my plan mm. and then of course Grenfell happened and so my trip never happened don't know if it will so I wasn't employed since Grenfell but I got involved with the children of the area because I hooked up with um, groups that sprung up after the fire like Kids on the Green and then I started doing some stuff with Solidarity Sports so I kind of started working with the children that had been directly affected by the fire yeah and um but yeah four years on mm. I'd say the children that we've worked with I mean, obviously, they're, they're still living with trauma and they will do for the rest of their lives. But I think the support that the community gave them has helped them. Mm. My concern at the moment is we've now seen four-year-olds who were obviously born just after the fire mm. and they've only ever known trauma. You know, they were born into families that have gone through this horrific experience and they're dealing with it themselves. Mm. And that's all these children have known. And now they're four and they're starting to show things that, we shouldn't be seen in four-year-olds. Yeah. So. And, and what are some of those things that they show? Well, sleeping um, or not sleeping, behaviour, um, references to things that they shouldn't be referring to, where obviously they've heard conversations all their life. So just their emotional stability yeah. is not how it should be. And for yourself working with children, how then do you cope? You cope while you're working with the children. <laughs> That's your coping mechanism. It's great. Yeah, it's when you come away. Um, I think now I've learned now after four years to uh, take a break. You have to take a break. You have to step back, even if it's just for a day. Even if you just leave the area for, you know, go, go and sit in a park somewhere. It took me a long time to learn that, but it's so important. Yeah. And we can't help anybody unless we help ourselves first. Yeah. What's it been like living through two pandemic I mean the pandemic but two years worth of not being able to gather the way you would normally gather um, and I know you're heading up everything with this year's anniversary so what's going on what's the goss 
Yes, the pandemic was quite hard. Um, because as you know, the silent walk brought us together once a month. So yeah. even if we didn't see each other, whatever we'd gone through that month, coming together monthly really helped us emotionally. And obviously that got taken away from us during lockdown. Last year for the third anniversary of, this is the community again, you know, six of us decided we would do the silent walk regardless. And so we started the silent walk and by the time we finished, I think we had about 120 people had just joined. So, so that's our community. And we weren't the only people that had come out on the third, you know, there was a good few people down there. So, mm. so yeah, so this year, you know, obviously we can't have hundreds of thousands of people here because, because we're still under COVID restrictions. But hopefully the community will come out more this year and yeah. and we can see each other again yeah. and have hugs, missed hugs. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to live so close to Grenfell? Well, I live about a quarter of a mile away from Grenfell, but I live on the seventh floor of a tower block and the view from my front room window is, is Grenfell Tower. And um, since the tower, I haven't opened my front room curtains. Wow. They've been closed. Wow. That just must be... I don't know what that must be for you, to live on the seventh floor of a tower. Um, yeah, it's oh. a reminder every day. But what's, what's happened is, I've found personally, part of, part of my healing is, I sit on my balcony every evening and wait for the light to go out on the top of the tower. Mm, really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I sometimes joke with Howard from GU that I'm kind of, I've given myself the watchtower job because if ever the light's not on or if ever it's still on at 10 past 11 or, you know, I'll message him to say, what's happening with the tower? The light's gone off or... Right. It's, like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's sad, really. No, not at all. <laughs> My gosh. Given that you're always around young people and we're about to speak to some young people in a moment, <laughs> what are your expectations for the four-year-olds who know nothing but trauma? The four-year-olds who have lived through Grenfell, when they get to eight, 12, 16, when they grow up to be adults, what are your expectations of the young people coming up now? Oh, I just, my expectations are I just want them to grow up and be happy. Just be happy and not have to spend their life fighting like everybody else. But in order to do that, they're going to need so much support all the way through. Life. You looked in with me, Swazi, here for your Sunday evening. Another episode of Kiss Life, and this weekend we're marking four years on since the Grenfell Tower tragedy. Um, I'm in West London, I'm not in the studio this weekend, and I'm with my good friend and my sister Faruza. And I want to know from you, sis, your exhibition yesterday went live. Talk to me about Golden Ashes and what it meant to put up an outdoor exhibition celebrating people and the Grenfell community, but not just people, but their stories as well. Uh, um, yesterday was like a really huge milestone in this journey and it's been really incredible to see this work come together um, and something I'm really proud of and something that we can all be proud of um, we'll see in these portraits life-size you know and seeing um, and getting closer to to the people that I shot and hearing directly from them um, was a really special time and what does it what does it mean for you for people to just stop and look at your work. Um, for you locked in right now, we are outside the outdoor exhibition. Um, we're walking past photos. I can see Ziad, Bernadette, Dan. I've got so much love for all of the people that you have shot, sis, but what does it mean to have their faces and their stories really at the heart and center when people haven't been able to gather given COVID? 
it's meant everything really like it's more than people's stories these are this is their life you know this is a, a part of their life that they are getting to tell with their own words to not be spoken for um, and to tell the truth of of what it has felt like to go through um, this experience of Grenfell but how what it's felt like to go through it together um, I think without the community we wouldn't have been able to pull through the way we have um, so it's been really amazing to see these stories um, blown up and and to see other people engaging with it and listening and and learning from those who um, have the right perspective have probably the truest perspective of what Grenfell is. And Golden Ashes is a beautiful name. What's the history and the choice behind those words? So Golden Ashes, um, the name came from a time where I felt like there weren't people who cared and the people who were responsible, how could they care for this to, to happen? Um, and, and even in my own faith journey, I just felt like, you know, God, where are you? Like. And um, I think when I didn't know what to do and I was really angry, I felt um, I felt as I prayed that you know God was just saying they were golden. Everyone who lived in that tower, who passed away, that that actually they are very precious, and this community is very precious, um, and they deserve to be treated with dignity and honor and and to be valued. Um, so the name is is really self-explanatory. You know, gold is is who we are. And the ashes speaks to the loss that we felt and, and all we've been through. Um, but even in the ashes, there's there's gold. You know, we're, we're rising up. We're continuing to put one foot in front of the other. And just the strength and the beauty of this community is like on full display. So that's amazing. And that really was on display yesterday. I mean, people were just gathering, laughing, crying at the same time, standing in front of portraits for, for lengths of time, just to soak in the words, but also the beautiful photos that you have taken. How do you feel yesterday when? Because this has been two years worth of work and energy and time. Um, but now that the exhibition is up and for all to enjoy and see, do you feel proud? I feel incredibly proud. Yesterday was such a beautiful time. Um, the sun was shining and we all gathered and it was just good community vibes and I, I really miss seeing so many people and to have all the people who I photographed, practically every single person come down um, was really, really, it meant everything to me. Um, yeah, it was a special time. It's really interesting, isn't it? That, that from media perspectives or from when you talk to people, so many different reactions or words come to mind when you ask someone what do you think of the Grenfell community um, and yes of course the word anger will, will come up given that this was a tragedy that was um, awful but could have been prevented but yet yesterday was full of good vibes and good people and, and people enjoying one another's company yet Grenfell Tower is literally round the corner from your exhibition um, and so how would you like for this year's anniversary to be remembered and what do you think is the feeling four years on? Um, I think the feeling really does vary um, across the board. I think for some people, like you said, there's still a lot of anger and, um, and rightfully so, you know, four years on, there's still not enough change. Um, the government still is not taking responsibility for those who still have cladding on their buildings and... Um, yeah, they're still demonstrating the, the lack of respect and honour for human life, essentially. Um, but I think 
I've chosen to focus on the community and the people. And I think that's where the power lies. I think that's where all the strength and everything you need to keep going lies. Um, so I just made a decision early on to not be a victim, to not wait for people to come and, and fix, fix the situation or fix me or help me heal or move forward. But I think if we stop and we remember that we can remember our loved ones, we can um, empower ourselves. I think that was the message that I wanted to share. And I feel like we've done that. We've done that through different people coming together, whether it's Grenfell United and the way they've been campaigning and looking after each other, um, or whether it's all the different volunteers who've come together to support one another. It is the people that hold the power, hold all the strength that we need. Oh, sis, I just need to take time on this show in particular, given this a mad one to say, we from KISS have come to West London to do the episode here. Um, I am so proud of you. I am so, so proud of you. Looking at you, I know that we're recording, but the way you have, the way you have just not given up. You've not given up and you've told people's stories so beautifully for people who may even be strangers in this area to come and stumble upon your exhibition and say, oh my gosh, was it really four years ago? What's happened since? Who are these people? Oh, they're not just a name. Let me read their quote. Some of these photos, sis, you've taken in people's homes. Some of these photos are, you know, just, they just, oh my gosh, they say so much more than what is um, said, but just thank you because you're a young person. We're young people and yet, so much of the conversation does lie with those at the top, but if you don't do the things that you're doing, um, yeah, I just feel like part of the conversation gets missed. Um, so thank you for being a massive part of the puzzle. Oh, I love you bears, man. Thank you. And if I just shout you out as well, <laughs> you, you have been to. an incredible support throughout this whole process. And I think your quote in particular sums up this whole journey and the importance of us telling our own stories um yeah i don't know if i would have been able to do this without having friends like you and sisters like you to come alongside me um and actually walk through a really difficult few years um to be there for the good and the bad Aww. and i love you sis please let's not cry on radio please it's uh, <laughs> sunday evening i'll come on radio to tell you how much i love you <laughs> Um, talk to me about Golden Nashes. Where can we find you? What's coming up on the 20th as well? What's happening? So Golden Nashes, the photo book is available to pre-order as of today. Um, so you can find that on goldennashes.com. And we are going to be screening our film for the first time on the 20th of July. Um, and our book launch will be on those dates. More to be confirmed. So you can check it out on our website and Golden Nashes Project on Instagram. Kiss Life, supported by the Audio Content Fund. So we've reached Labrick Crescent. I am standing opposite the gorgeous Sandra, who on camera you can see, but let me just describe because you can't see on radio. The green dress, the fit is gorgeous. And here we are in Labrick Crescent with so many different colours all along this road. And as we can hear, Labrick Grove in the background. Um, but I wanted to have you on Kiss Life because you are someone who just always loves community. You're front and centre of so much that's going on. Um, so I guess, yeah, like, who are you? What do you do? And what's your connection to Grenfell? So my name is Sandra Ruiz. Um, I'm a Brie family member, but more than that, I'm a Labrador Grove girl. <laughs> <laughs> through and through. Um, 
I work with Grenfell United on uh, Green for Grenfell Day and that's what we've been focusing on this week from the 7th to the 14th. We've been encouraging schools, youth groups, church groups, anyone really that comes together in communities to work together for, for a common cause. So prior to Grenfell, Grenfell happening, what was the area like? It's always had its own flavour. <laughs> um, I grew up around here. I left, uh, you know, quite a number of years ago, but I have lots of family in the area. It's it's always been very buzzy. There's a very much a connection between everyone went to the same primary schools, everyone went to the same secondary schools. So somehow or other, somebody knows someone, or somebody's auntie, or somebody's cousin, or somebody's sister. You know, there is a connection, and I think that is also the secret of our strength in our community yeah. that we were able we have a shared history in that sense mm. and why is it that Notting Hill or um, Labrock Grove is always a pinpoint for protesting or for change or for putting the, the you know making things that are wrong right why is that always happening here do you think it's such a diverse community and usually from very passionate people so you know and people who are not scared to stand up for what is right and actually we're a community that um, comes from such diverse background that where family is important where the village is important where you know your people are important and we are our people here we are one big village yeah and talk to me a little bit about Grenfell United because I see you guys as just heroes, as people who have just collectively come together. But do you feel that same sense of togetherness as a group? We feel that we're family, first and foremost. Uh, we're family that have been affected by the same circumstances. Um, and as families do, we come together, we find our strength together. And then we, we've campaigned, we've campaigned for change, not just for us, um, but we've campaigned for change for the whole country. Yeah. And Green for Grenfell is an incredible way for so many people who may not be local to Labrick Grove or to Grenfell or even to London, but now it's, an, it's a way for loads of people outside of the UK to even get involved. So what is Green for Grenfell Day and how does it work? Well, it's a way for people to show solidarity to the cause of Grenfell. Um, Grenfell was centred in a community that was done wrong by. Uh, but in the aftermath of the fire, and I wish people could see the video that I saw of you, Swazi. <laughs> In right after the fire, people, amazing people from all over London and outside of London came to the area to help with donations, to bring, you know, to, to clothing, food. You know, people were left on the street with yeah. absolutely nothing, no support from the local authority at all for days. Um, but where there was a void, people stepped in and that community spirit was just heart filling it was absolutely amazing to see and what why green for grenfell because we want to celebrate that you know we want to share that with other communities and we believe that it's important that communities are built around themselves that they work to a common cause that they raise funds for common causes in their own communities so say for example they've got a community center that needs some attention well come together paint it together do the work together and it's so fulfilling to see something like that something that's enriching for their own communities yeah and we're right alongside labrick grove we are um, standing not far away from Grenfell Tower and four years on uh, this Monday will mark the four-year anniversary so what is the feel and the vibe four years later? I suppose everyone has a different feeling about it everyone is on a different 
bit of their journey. Some people are further down in the healing process, others are not. Some people feel their energy is better when they're doing something a bit like this, I suppose, and a bit like the silent walk and the campaigning, and people feel that that is what they need to help them. Um, the vibe, it's difficult because we haven't been able to come together. This will be the second year running now. Yeah. Um, and we feed off each other's energy and we console each other and we feel peace together. Mm. And we hope that that can return next year. And, and just lastly, what do you do outside? Who are you? What do you do as a job? Where do you, yeah, just where do you put your head if it's not in Grenfell, Grenfell Day or not at a GU meeting? Who are you? Where, where can we find whatever you else are doing? Well, I have a very boring day job <laughs> no, to be <me>. fair. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, my head is in spreadsheets, in employment contracts. So I'm a business manager at a primary school. Mm. Um, but the balance to that is that I'm in a very vibrant environment full of children who are learning, who are energetic, who are full of life. And that for me is amazing. It's a wonderful space to be in. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask because Grenfell United is full of people who aren't ordinary in the sense that well we're just normal people who this has happened to but everyone seems to have just lent their skill set to to the group and yeah. to the common cause and so for someone listening who may may not have experienced a Grenfell but definitely experienced some form of tragedy what would you say to a younger audience who may be second guessing do I have the skills to lend to a, a cause that I feel passionate about absolutely everybody has skills that they can share absolutely there is there is no limit you know because we came out of this as people who we didn't know each other and just by talking just by connecting we found each other's strengths and we had people who were worked in the city people like me who were business managers we had people who worked in um, supermarkets or drove buses or whatever it was but everyone has a skill set and actually sometimes the people who you least expect have the loudest voices and they're the, they have the most passion so actually that takes you a long 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 way yeah. Sandra thank you so much for your time you. as always we'll catch up very soon thank you I'm standing opposite a wall and on the wall there are stencil spray paintings of butterflies but right at the beginning there's a heart and it says there's no justice it's just us there's no justice it's just us um i think not only is that echoing much of what i know to be true of my time volunteering for grenfell but i'm standing opposite the notting hill methodist church um, and this is the place where i would only know to come to because of the silent walk and the silent walk would start here and so I'm standing in similar place to where I would be, you know, in the center of hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people um, who would gather because this was the, the meeting point. And I can remember like Ziad being at the front and a couple guys in lanyards and we would just be waiting. And of course, it's a silent walk, but you can hear babies in buggies. You can hear the whisper of people, um, the sellotape of, of signs being made. Um, but today on this Friday afternoon, it's pretty empty. It's really calm. And what's funny is that it's pretty green. And it's not even just green, like Grenfell green, but it's green because the trees are in bloom, the plotted plants around are all green, the spray painting is green, the graffiti on the bin is green. 
And so when I look at that sign and I think there's no justice, it's just us. I guess there's always been a sense where it's always been just people gathering together. So yeah, to come back here four years on, um, it's funny actually, this was where I had an interview with Ben Brown from the BBC and he stopped me in my messy bun and rucksack looking about 12 years old and he said, you know, what's the feeling on the ground? And, and I remember just saying to him, or I remember feeling really upset that um, people had rocked up two days after the fire because this was a Friday afternoon and it was re- I remember it being so hot and just oh muggy um, and I remember thinking to him yeah but you have got a responsibility don't you you have a responsibility to be here so don't just be here suited up like get your hands dirty but the people who were getting their hands dirty were the people who lived here or people like myself who came from Ilford um, and so standing there just opposite the Notting Hill Methodist Church um, and being opposite the tower, I guess I really needed the, the Methodist Church as just a touch point. Because West isn't my area, if someone said, OK, all the volunteers are meeting here, I would really have to bring out City Mapper to find out, you know, where am I, where am I going to go? But it was really good to have people who knew the area to guide and say, OK, this is where we're meeting this afternoon. And it's a similar day as it was four years ago the sky is blue um i'm about to walk under this bridge and now i know where i am now i'm walking to maxilla and if you don't know maxilla at the time it wasn't as colorful um as it was when i was standing on the westway flyover it was just gray and everywhere you looked on the floor there was a carrier bag of a donation um, but now, as I'm walking towards Maxilla and the sun is in my eyes, it's just murals and colours and um, bold writing and people who have set up shop and, you know, the piano's there and the plants are planted and it's got a real... It's just come to life. It has just come to life under the glare of Grenfell Tower. And so if that is one thing from my experience that marks West London is that life does come from tragedy life really does spark up in a way that is so extraordinary you have no other option but to think people are so resilient ordinary people are just incredible so i'm walking up where colvin house is and i remember this bit being here because of the blue tiles and um the estates and you know no ball games and everyone's playing ball games Um, But the people in particular haven't changed. And that is one thing that I know, regardless of if you've been to Labrook Grove, if you've been to Notting Hill, you know, there is always, always been in this part of London um, a strength of people and a family aspect of people. Um, And funny enough, from those who I've already met, there isn't anger in your face. It's not a blatant anger. It's a quiet anger. But if anything, it's much more... um, a positive hope um, and I don't know maybe what else do you have when um, such a horrific tragedy has happened you you have to be hopeful for for the next generation or maybe even just yourself but the feeling of the people as I'm watching Maxilla just you know do what Maxilla does people are playing people are eating up food I think I've always um, touched down where the community was just always here and four years on it's no different People will be here, they will always be here. And so walking into Maxilla definitely feels um, like home.
So we're here at Maxilla and I'm opposite the wall that has gone viral. Um, the wall says, the truth will not be hidden. The people's public inquest, first-hand accounts, facts, testimonies and statements. Grenfell Tower fire, June the 14th to the 15th of 2017. That's the headline of this wall. And beneath it, people have posted up their own evidence, their photos, their messages for loved ones. Um, you know, in the middle, slap bang in the middle of this wall, it reads, this wall is dedicated to documenting our community's first-hand witness accounts, supporting a criminal inquest to help bring justice for hundreds of residents killed in the fire at Grenfell Tower. And everyone's evidence is from their own words. I wonder if a wall like this sparks fear into the hearts of those who have jobs at the top or who are not forthcoming with what they know to be true because the people are very much loud and clear when it comes to their own stories. And you've got written handwriting from little kids all the way to printed Word document. You've got hearts, green hearts, where children have made um, photos or, or pictures. And it's very honest. It's very, very honest. And I'm glad it is honest because I would really hate in years, not just four years, but in years to come, when people think of Grenfell and they don't think of the people that go hand in hand with this tragedy. The wall is full of people's evidence, but it's also very colorful. It's very bright and vibrant, and it's very young. So I had to come down to West and speak to you, Yushra. I know you are right heart and center of the community. Tell us first of all, who are you and what do you do? My name is Yusra Shibika. Um, I'm a student. I'm actually on some holiday right now. So yeah, finally, yeah, I just finished my GCSEs, and yeah, I used to live on Grenfell Walk, which is like the base of Grenfell Tower. Yeah. And I got permanently evacuated, um, so obviously I can't go there. And I got rehoused um, on the night of Grenfell Tower fire. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember much of the night? Um, I feel like it's a blur to me. Like I can't really. When I put, you know, when I think about it, it's sort of like I can't put. I can't pinpoint when stuff happened, mm -hmm. so it's sort of, I know it happened, I know what happened, I know the outcome of what happened, obviously I lost friends, I lost my house, I lost all of my stuff, but it's sort of like when I think about the night in itself, it's sort of like I try to think about it, but at the same time I don't really want to, I feel like that's just my way of like moving on and just thinking, you know, what happened happened, obviously it wasn't nice, but like the way that I can carry on with my life and, you know, become who I want to become. It's just by kind of not thinking about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And what do you feel is the feelings four years on since it happened? I feel like it just depends on the day. Like some days I'll be like, oh yeah, it's cool. Like you know, obviously it wasn't a good situation, but like in the beginning when it first happened, people would say, oh like it's a blessing. It's like because obviously not what happened it was a blessing, but what came out of it was a blessing, you know, like good stuff came out of it. And I used to, that used to really anger me. Like, I was just like, how can you say that? You know, like, I, uh, my friends died, you know what I'm saying? But um, now I kind of see it like, I saw obviously what happened was not ideal and I don't want that to happen to anyone. No one should ever have to feel that way. But now I think of it, I feel like it's pulled me closer to my religion, first off. And second of all, it's kind of made me stronger in, the, in that I'm more determined to get to where I want to be and like I'm more determined to get out of the system and not fall, you know, victim to, you know, how the yeah. system plays you. So. Yeah. And you're super young. So when you say the system, what, yeah. what are we talking about here? Because I feel like you've got years <laughs> on you, but you're a young girl. So yeah. what's the system? 
you know, I feel like the system starts from when you're born. You know, as soon as your name's on the birth certificate, that's when, you know, the system gets you. I feel like it's out to make this, you know, the richer people richer and the poorer people poorer, you know, social housing and everything else. I just, it's a bit, you know, let's not get too deep into it. Mm. But I feel like just even the education system, how it's like, you know, how it's set out. Like, I don't know what a mortgage is, you know, like, but then I know how to, like, find, like, pie or whatever you know yeah. like I just I feel like just the way we're put into like a category like depending on how much our like our parents earn when they're doing exactly the same amount of work as another person yeah you know I feel like just that the system like falling victim to that and like you know like not being able to do what you want to do because someone puts a barrier in front of you yeah. and I feel like I just need to knock that down mm. and I feel like Grenfell has been the the key to that door to just knock down everything in my way and you know keep carrying on to what yeah. I want to do and before Grenfell happened, what was it like to live on Grenfell Walk? What was, who were the people in the tower to you? What was the energy of the area before the fire? I just smiled, like, I don't know, like, how it is now is really weird. Obviously, I've grown up and everything, but, like, back then, it was sort of like we was, like, a family. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we was a family. But I genuinely felt like a real connection. It's like I, con like, I contrast my life now to how it was before. Now I get texts, oh, do you want to meet up on so-and-so day? You know, and I'm like, oh, I need to ask my mum. Back then, it was, yes, right, from the bottom of the window, and it's calling me out. And then I just put on my pyjamas and go out, leave the house. Now I have to, I'm like, oh, I'll I'm gonna be late an hour, I need to wash my hair, I need to do this. But before it was sort of like, you just went with it, you know? Like, it was nice and you just felt like so connected. Now we're sort of like, when I'm watching TV in, in my room, I have to turn on the volume because I'm like, oh, the neighbors are gonna hear. Yeah. But back then it was sort of like, I'm blasting my music till 2 a.m. No one's <laughs> gonna say anything to me, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I feel like, yeah, the, it, was, it was a strong community. Like, mm. we all loved each other. Mm. It's, yeah, and I don't think I'm gonna be able to replace that ever yeah. again. Yeah. And, and what do you think the world thinks of Grenfell? That's your, Sorry, because you live here, yeah. but what do you think, maybe the media or people who don't know Grenfell very well, like, what yeah. do you think is the outside perception of Grenfell? I feel like it's just kind of like a statistic, you know? Like, it's just like one of them things that just happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like from a, from, from a person who's been, like, felt victim to, like, the impact of what's happened at Grenfell, I feel like when I look at Grenfell from my personal view, like as in like when I'm by myself, I'm like, oh, my friends died, you know? Like this is crazy, this is only stuff that you see on the news. This is stuff that you're like, that you go out and protest for, but like, this is something that happened to me. And I find, I find that really weird. And I feel like, you know, when I look on the news and everything, and I look on TV, I'm, I just see a different, not, I wouldn't say a different pers uh, perspective of it. I just, I'd say a twisted perception of it. So it's sort of like, these people see it from, an, oh, these poor people died. Then poor people are my friends. These poor people were people I saw when I went to go to the shop. These are saw me when I, my hair was in a bun and I was like, had not like, you know, look, look at my worst. These are people, you know, they, have, they had lives, they had like ambitions and they had passions like I have passions right now, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like from, I don't know, I feel like the media has been a big part of what is, as bad as it sounds, is stopping me from moving on. And it hasn't let me grieve properly in the way that, I mean, there's no one way to grieve, but, I don't know how to explain it, but the how media. How you process it. Yeah, just the, the way you process it, like, you know, just like, you know, like sometimes I sit down in my room and I was like, wow, you know, this happened to me. And then you look online and you're like, this happened, this happened, and it's just like, you don't know which story to believe. And even though you've been there firsthand and you've witnessed what happened, it's sort of like, you see on the media and you're like, did that actually happen? You, you question yourself and what your eyes have seen. And I feel like it's crazy that the media has that much power over like, over like you, like your eyes have seen this, but 
your brain is saying no that didn't happen yeah so yeah and does coming to maxilla a place that is like when I came to volunteer, it was not colourful like this. It, yeah. was, it didn't exist. Like the the floor was full of black bags of donations. There yeah. were hundreds of people, and now you're standing opposite, you know, the people's public inquest, the wall that has all the evidence and people's voices. Does it does it help or hinder you get through Grenfell? I feel like it's a tricky one. I feel like with all the stuff that's happened, obviously it's a good thing. It comes from a good place, but then I feel like. Obviously, this in itself is a is a good message to people that come here. Like, this is what happened. We need to get justice, etc., etc. We need to remember the people who died. But at the same time, it's sort of like just like the media kind of puts a barrier. Like even the tower being up, for example, it's like something that's always in your face constantly. And it's like, yeah, you want to yeah you want to remember them, but at the same time, you need to get on with your own life. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like four years on. Obviously, like rest rest in peace to everyone who died, and and we're all still feeling it. But at the same time, you're just sort of like, you know, I want to do stuff now. Like, I need to move on. I need to still remember. And I need to make sure that this never happens to anyone else. But at the same time, I need to move on with my life. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time, stuff, when the stuff is always in your face, it's sort of like, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. To and for young people who you may have lived with or um, like lived with or in terms of, yeah, you should come down, we're playing now. Yeah. You, you know, that sense of community is it the older generation keeping that alive or you young ones that are trying to hold on to that as well? I feel like it's a mixture of both, you know. I feel like there's a lot of passionate older, older, like, older people who are like, you know, we need to keep this alive. But I feel like obviously, and rightly so, that the, the main focus is, you know, getting justice and 100% we need to get justice. And like, obviously, like, you know, getting people to hear about what happened and obviously the main focus is obviously the people that died and people who lost their houses which 100% I agree with but then at the same time it's sort of like people are forgetting that you know the community was broken up as well yeah. and like it's weird now like before you do you do chill together and everything but now because of the because of the, the tragedy like we don't chill together anymore and that's a big thing like I was 12 years old when it happened I'm 16 and that four-year gap of my life, like I just kind of been taken away from me, and like I was in a hotel for a bit. I wouldn't want to meet my friends. I don't want to come travel from Kensington all the way down just to chill in the park. Mm. So it was like a lot of stuff was taken away from us just because of where we was based and because the community in itself was just split up. Yeah. yeah. And the whole thing around if this is happening in another area, this is Kensington and Chelsea. <laughs> this is the land of money. Yes. This is the richest borough in the in Europe. Yeah. Do, do you find that that weighs in that impacts how you've been treated? I don't know. I don't know why people are talking about us being the richest borough in the whole of Europe or whatever. Then why are people dying? Why why can they not afford to put cladding on a building just because they wanted to look pretty? Why couldn't they afford to put cladding on a building that was safe that wouldn't kill people inside? So I don't want to hear it about all the money stuff and you know. So yeah. yeah. It doesn't strike me as though people are angry, and so I wanted to ask you: Are people angry, or how do you deal? Um, four years on and, and maybe feeling angry but how do you deal with those emotions and, and keeping calm how do you do it of course we're angry like you know we, we witness this stuff me personally I feel like if you're playing with politicians you have to be political right so I feel like you, you express your of course express your anger it's, it's, smart, it's a smart thing to do but you express your anger you're just you're just showing the politicians what they make you out to seem do you know what I'm saying as in we, we start getting angry oh my god look at what else is going to be on the front? Isn't that 72 people died? It's going to be that these angry poor people are causing havoc in the community, etc., etc. So I feel like a lot of us have held our anger back, and I feel like that's worked in our advantage in that 
we we can kind of focus on our other emotions and that you know we're sad you know and we're focusing on the on the people who died rather than focusing on on what actually happened and how bad it is because I feel like when you dwell on how like your anger because I was very angry in the beginning and I and I feel like that anger didn't let me grieve you know that anger just made that just anger all it did was just I just took it out on my family I don't take it out on the people who did it who am I gonna who am I gonna get to let my anger on I let my anger on my mum and obviously it wasn't nice, but I had to, do you know what I'm saying? So I feel like we kept our anger in and I feel like we kind of reverted that anger into other other emotions and I feel like that just, you know, I feel that was a good thing to do. Yeah, and I just want to touch on your mum real quick, you know, because yeah. I didn't know who your mum was. <laughs> Before, well, when I got here, your mum was pregnant with your little sister. Yeah. And now I get to meet you. It's, it's so beautiful how things come full circle. Yeah. But what things have you learnt from your mum? in the time that you've been able to grieve and talk about it with her, what things have you learned from your mum? I feel like I've just learned how strong she is, you know? I feel like, obviously I always saw my mum, like, I feel like every single child sees their mum and this beautiful, amazing angel light. Like. But I feel like I saw properly like what my mum was. My mum's out here all the time, you know? Like, even my mum will hold her own, her own emotions back just so that she can help me. And I feel like that's such a beautiful thing. Like she's she's going through like stuff that I went through. Like she witnessed the fight. She was moved. She has like now four children to look after. And then you know her main priority is always us. And I think that's so beautiful. And I feel like just that in itself, it's brought me closer to my mom. Because I'm just like, wow, you really. Obviously, I've always known my mom cares about me, but like, raw, she really cares about me. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Shouts to your mum, man. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much, Ishra, for giving you. us your time. Never forget, but just remember to put yourself first. So, if, you know, like, don't, obviously, remember the past, but don't dwell on it too much. So, yeah. Keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. This is a really important episode for me. A lot has happened in four years. When Grenfell first happened, it was two weeks I think after the election and I remember being at KISS and then and getting an email to say do not disclose your political views and that was the feeling on the 8th of June when the elections were happening. A few days later Grenfell happened and I just had this tug on my heart to say Swaz you cannot let this happen in your lifetime and not engage. Your faith is on the line, your integrity is on the line but I knew this wasn't political. I knew this was to do with people. And so I just said to Kiss, look, if it means losing my job, I'm going to lose my job and go down and volunteer. And look at me now. Four years on, I'm sat with the same people who this tragedy happened to and the same people I met during my time volunteering. What happened in that moment is still what is happening four years later. And that makes me very angry. And so in one sense, I feel really proud to be on KISS and to be doing a brand new show called KISS Life and to not just have people come to the studio but to go to people themselves. I am in love with that. That's really special to me. I've never sat this close to Grenfell Tower. The first time I saw it, it was still ablaze. And now I'm looking at it and it it just makes you stop. It really just makes you stop. So, young people, I know you're locked in tonight. I know you're listening. I really hope that from, from, from all that you've heard, um, yes, we are angry. But yes, the continuation of people standing up to do what is right. Join that camp. Join that group. That's the group I always want to be a part of. Um, so this is the Kiss Life special 
of the Grenfell Tower anniversary, but this is only the beginning of so many more special programs and so many more conversations to be had on KISS. What an episode. So heavy, but so moving at the same time. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you support by rating, reviewing and subscribing and catch me next week for another brand new episode of KISS Life.